Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Robert. Robert is a podcaster for the Misanthroplay podcast, which you can find in the show notes. Uh, Robert and I talk about all kinds of things. Uh, Souls games, we talk about older from software games like Kingsfield and Echo Knight. We go kind of all over the place. I think you'll really enjoy the episode. As always, remember if you want to come on the podcast just like Robert did, you can send me an email to dguspodcast at gmail.com. Send me your soul story and I'll see about getting you on the podcast. Thanks and enjoy the episode. start at the beginning tell me about the first time that you played a souls game well uh the first time i played a souls game was dark souls one uh i was very interested in trying out demon souls but it came out at that special time in one's life when uh when you're between college and employment and i didn't have a ps3 uh, so I was sort of watching from the sidelines and hearing about this super difficult game and getting a little bit jealous and wanting to try it out for myself. Uh, eventually, I did find gainful employment and picked up a PS3 um, so I could play some imported American games. Um, and I thought about getting Demon Souls, but Dark Souls was about to come out, so I just got that on day one. Um, and I ended up bouncing off of it super hard. <laughs> like I think I got to the, I think I got to the Taurus demon, uh, and that's where I gave up for maybe four years. <laughs> <laughs> wow, four years! What yeah. were you um like? You picked up a PS3. Like, what were you playing a lot of games? Like up to that point, like were you just are you were you just getting back to gaming after like you know not being employed and not being able to buy games or anything? Like, what were you playing I'd, when you came into? Dark? I'd had a, a three sixty and a PS two. So, I mean, I was okay. still getting a lot of mileage out of uh, lots of uh, lots of American PS2 games that were still coming out up to, like, 2010 uh, and, you know, getting the occasional cheap 360 game. Uh, but I really wanted to play Atlas's Catherine, uh, and that was taking a very long time to come out here. And then I found out that the PS3 was region-free, which is why I picked one up. Oh, okay. I didn't even really realize that. I knew the PS4 was, but for some reason I thought the PS3 was still a little weird with that stuff. <laughs> my my big blunder with Dark Souls uh, was that I got greedy during character creation. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, I mean, the, the master key is a gift, but if I pick the thief, I can get the master key and a second gift. Uh, and as somebody who had never played uh, demons before it or had you know, any experience with a game of this sort, uh, I think picking a thief was kind of going straight into hard mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, especially because you can get yourself into trouble with that master key if you don't quite know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, if you just go wandering around, like, you can get into some pretty difficult areas way ahead of time. Yeah, go see Hovel straight away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, who the hell is this, and why is he mad at me? <laughs> hmm. So you got all the way to the Taurus Demon, like you, and you just 
like that's that's a pretty pretty i mean i say it's a pretty far into the game like it's it's not very far into the game but like that's a pretty good trip to get used to the controls and to like get used to moving around the world like were you kind of getting into that at all or were you still fighting like just the way that you have to control your character i was still fighting how i had to control my character this was you know i just bought this full-priced game and i didn't want to be defeated by it um so i spent a, a whole lot of time uh getting through the undead berg to reach him and then just completely just threw my hands up and thought, oh, it's not for me. Um, I was initially very turned off by the controls and the closest analog that I'd played was um, the first Monster Hunter on PS2. Uh, mm -hmm. And I couldn't get my head around that either. And, you know, when I first fired up Dark Souls, I was like, oh boy, it's one of these games. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I had someone yesterday, because uh, I record a lot of these, um, oh. and I had someone yesterday tell me that they didn't discover the lock-on until they finished Dark Souls 1 and got halfway through Dark Souls 2. I have heard I, that as well recently. And, uh, like, I just can't imagine, because that's, when I tried to play Mon Monster Hunter, like, after, because everyone told me, oh man, you love Dark Souls, you'll love Monster Hunter. Yeah. And, uh, I just, and I, that, the lack of a lock-on in that game, just, like, I couldn't figure it out like i was like how do you do i can't my hands i don't, don't have enough fingers to be able to do all of these things that you're asking me to do so i yeah <laughs> i just i always wonder about that like how do you do that <clears throat> yeah I, I have heard very many reliable re reliable sources good friends of mine who have just praised the latest monster hunter games but i haven't haven't had the courage to give them a go yet myself <laughs> yeah i tried the one for the wii or for the wii and mm -hmm. um I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I'm not saying that they're bad games. Like, I don't want to say that. Like, I don't because sure. I barely played them. But like, I just they're they're so impenetrable. And like, I see what people are doing for late game stuff, and it just seems like a lot of grinding. And I'm like, yeah. I don't, I don't. That's not something that appeals to me. Like, if I if I can't do this with like buddies or with people that will get mad at me on the internet for killing them, that I'm not <laughs> like I'm not going to just put this many hours into a game. Yeah, it's it's. So you it's you put down Dark Souls for four years. I put down Dark Souls for four years, um, and I was watching from the sidelines and seeing its um, enduring popularity. And you know, like as late as 2014 and 2015, like Kotaku were still reporting articles of new things found in Dark Souls, and I was like. You know, I have a lot of respect for this, and I really feel like I'm missing out here. Um, but uh, it was in 2015 that I I was in a I was in a foul mood because we were living in like the best apartment ever, and it got sold out from under us uh, when we were there for less than a year. Uh, so instead of doing sense something sensible, when I got my holding deposit back, I bought a PS4. And I was looking at Bloodborne, and I was thinking, okay, these games haven't clicked with me, but this Victorian gothic horror setting, I'm going to put my prior feelings aside and see what this is all about. Uh, so so I, got a, I got a PS4 in Bloodborne. That was the only game that I had for a little while for it. Um, and I just immediately loved it. Uh, I just spent the summer powering through it. Um, I think I got stuck on Father Gascoigne for a very long time, but then after that, I just uh, couldn't get enough. Uh, mm -hmm. And upon finishing Bloodborne, it made me realize, oh, um, you know, I should give Dark Souls another go. Uh, and my uh, friend and my podcast co-host, Alvin, uh, he recommended Bonfireside Chat to me, which proved to be 
not only entertaining, but a wonderful resource for uh, somebody returning to uh, something that they were once very frightened of. And, um, yeah, yeah, because they they have a really really good knack for explaining those games in terms that like you can kind of embrace and understand. Like, well, yeah. if these two dudes can do this, like obviously I can. <laughs> yeah. So I returned to Dark Souls, and um, I had the absolute best time. And I was thinking, like, I can't believe it took me this long. I felt rather <laughs> embarrassed with myself, but uh, I am most definitely a Souls devotee now. Well, before, before we go to Dark Souls, like you said, did you finish Bloodborne before going to Dark Souls 1? I did, yeah. Okay, so you went all the way through the game, and then afterwards, like, you were, like, I mean, that game is so cool. <laughs> Bloodborne is, like, the coolest thing, and I, I get a lot of slack because, like, this has been kind of become, like, the uh, Bloodborne Love Fest podcast yeah. of just everyone <laughs> really wanting to uh, talk about how great Bloodborne is, including myself. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think it was about like Bloodborne that drew you in versus the Dark Souls games. Do you think it was just a time and a place or was it something with the controls or just the atmosphere and setting? Uh, the atmosphere and setting did a lot to make me invested. Um, I'm much more naturally drawn to that type of gothic horror setting than uh, like a Western dark fantasy. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think that was really, really it as to, as to what kept me powering through. Um, but due to my enthusiasm for that style, uh, and then when it transitioned into cosmic horror, sort of Ambrose Bierce, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft style story, I mean, that's one of my favorite genres. So that, um, like it, I guess it was a way to ease me in and, and make me comfortable with how these games play and what they're all about. And, uh, you know, I, I think the setting alone did a lot for me. And, I mean, that's not to say that the mechanics don't stand on their own. They absolutely do. Um, but I think I just needed that, you know, that kind of narrative push to truly mm -hmm. appreciate it for uh, all of its aspects. So I'm curious, like, when you, when your podcast co-host mentioned Bonfire Side Chat, did you start off with the Bloodborne season? Or did you, like, okay, well, I'm going to start from the beginning with Dark Souls, just like they did, and then kind of listen as you played, listen to the show as you played through the game? I started with Dark Souls because I'd already beaten Bloodborne by the time that I got the recommendation. So okay. um, that was, you know, I, I was hungry for more, and this was before um, The Old Hunters came out. So I, I jumped right into uh, uh, Dark Souls 1 using um, Bonfire Side Chat as a um, bit of a supplementary guide. Very cool. That's awesome. Did you, uh, did you go back to your PS3 to play that, or did you go to a PC? <clears throat> I did go back to my PS3. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've got such a poor PC, it probably couldn't even run Dark Souls 1. Don't, don't feel bad. I, the same here. Like, I can't... <laughs> it's just... I don't, I'm not much of a PC gamer at all. Like, yeah. I was just curious, because like going from Bloodborne to like a, to a, back to a PS3, like Dark Souls runs pretty rough on that PS3. The uh, same for the 360. It's, it's a bit choppy. But it, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it gets a little choppy sometimes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm okay. Interesting. What uh, what was your kind of build in Bloodborne? Like, did you? Because those stats are like they're simplified coming from the Souls games, but seeing that stuff for the first time and like kind of out of it, out of the context, like how do you even know how to progress? Like, how do you know what to level up? What did you end up with? I think the simplified nature, uh, you know, I, th I found that a little bit less intimidating than I found uh, Dark Souls initially. So um, I started, I, I, I mostly pumped into, I mean, you know, <laughs> if you don't really know what you're doing, pump up uh, vitality, stamina, and strength. 
So um, I went for a strength build and then sort of transitioned into a, a dexterity build. Uh, I started with the, I, I actually started with the, um, with the chain whip, the, the cane. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't make that much headway with that. I ended up switching to the razor. Uh, and then through most of the game, I used um, Ludwig's greatsword because that was just um, <laughs> really great at uh, crowd control and uh, close-up combat as well. Up until the DLC, it's arguably like the best weapon in the game. Yeah, <laughs> which I mean, it was just a really—it's a really phenomenal weapon. It is. Uh, the DLC, I transitioned to the uh, what is it called? Everybody calls it the pizza cutter. The <laughs> the whirly gig saw. The whirly gig saw. Um, <laughs> yeah, purely for. I call, I'm really bad because I almost said it's the pizza cutter, right? <laughs> and right before you said pizza cutter. <laughs> purely for the um, grotesque nature of using it alone, I had a lot of fun with that. That thing just, it, it shreds so much. Like, it's so much fun to hold L2 and just have that saw go, and just, like, just wail on somebody. Like, it's so great. It's an absolute joy. <laughs> how uh, how successful were you at, like, finding out all of Bloodborne's weird little secrets, like the, the hidden areas and the, the offshoots and, and things like that? Like, was that stuff that you were kind of looking at a wiki for to make sure you found everything, or were you just trying to, like, discover everything on your own? I found... Almost everything on my own, uh, but I ended up finding uh, finding Kaneshurst through through a wiki. When I heard that you could get back into Yosefka's clinic from behind, uh, I looked up how to do that. I tumbled around a lot in that poison swamp that leads to her back door uh, and mm -hmm. didn't really make any headway, uh, at which point I eventually ended up consulting a map. Uh, but the rest of the stuff I ended up just finding on my own and was... You know, continually more and more oppressed, um, impressed with like the uh, the upper cathedral ward and the orphanage. Uh, that was amazing to just stumble across. Oh, I can imagine, and like going into the like the real hunters workshop and going like, wait a minute, oh, what is that this? Was brilliant, yeah. <laughs> so well hidden. <laughs> yeah, and just like and seeing like the old broken doll there, and like the kind of lore implications of what what's what's really going on in this world. Yeah, that was a very. Were you um? Moment. Did you know, like, the twist going into the game? Like, cause, no, I mean, Pretty I much going up to the release, it was just like, okay, this is a werewolf game, and maybe there's going to be vampires or something, and then, you know, you get to that one great moment with Rom, and the moon descends, and then all of a sudden you're in Yahrgul, and, like, shit just got real. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, I managed to not get spoiled on that, um, and I was very pleased, because, um, you know, as I said, that's one of my favorite, the cosmic horror is one of my favorite literary genres. So seeing this... Uh, seeing this gory Victorian werewolf story transitioning into something much, much darker and how they, how Sony managed to keep that a secret in marketing, um, I was absolutely thrilled. And that was just, you know, that just spurned me on even harder to find out what else this game was hiding. Very nice. Very nice. And so from there, you went right back into Dark Souls. And I'm guessing you were a little bit more successful with Dark Souls this go around. Yeah, um, I think I ended up restarting twice um, uh, when I picked it up again. Uh, I ended up going for Sword and Shield in the end. Uh, and, you know, putting my Bloodborne knowledge to use uh, really, really came in handy. Uh, you know, looking at the environment, uh, finally seeing that I could jump off a tower and stab the Taurus Demon made a big difference. Uh, but just, you know, playing a highly agile character who has to avoid getting hit in Bloodborne... Um, transitioning 
that style of play into Dark Souls made a major difference. Uh, and then I played all the way through, and I had the best time. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay, podcast over. Everyone likes Dark Souls. <laughs> so what about so when you when you went back to Dark Souls? Was it with your kind of knowledge of how Bloodborne worked and with the like how the leveling system works and kind of those weird mechanics? Were you able to like bring some of that? Like, did you start reading item descriptions at that point? Did you start reading? you know, signs on the ground and things like that, or were you still just kind of grasping those mechanics? Uh, no, I, I was well into the, I was well into uh, reading item descriptions and being, uh, examining <laughs> everything that I could to uh, get a lay of the land and see what would suit each situation. Uh, as, you know, being somebody who has uh, a very big affection for games that pay such close attention to world building, uh, I... You know, I feel that the uh, item descriptions are a stroke of genius, uh, and mm -hmm. conveying the narrative through that is something that I find very exciting, and that I wish more games would do. I I do too, and um, I was talking about this with somebody recently that Salt and Sanctuary. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. Just kind of oh. like a Dark Souls 2D thing. I reviewed um, it. Oh, really? Yeah. Excellent. So yeah, you're very familiar with it. I find, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just the writing or if there was just so much stuff, that I found, like, I was kind of overwhelmed with item descriptions in that game. Like, I don't, I just eventually just, like, because all of the um, ability points in that grid had item descriptions, yeah. too, that told lore. And I, all I, the I notes were like about much. Yeah, yeah, and, like, three quarters of the way through, I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't care at all. And I, I'm just, I, I don't, I don't, and I like that game. I, I have issues with that game, but, like, I don't. I wonder if that's just the writing, or if it's just that the stuff in, in Dark Souls from from software is just that good that it makes everybody else that does it try to look a little worse. I thought the writing in Salt and Sanctuary was fairly solid for what it was. I mean, you could see that it was an homage or an imitation. Um, but yeah, I agree that you know when you get into that much volume of uh, optional narrative writing, uh, it is it does get a bit much and. I, I, when there's just so much of it out there, um, yeah, I feel like it's it's not as exciting as as uh, the Souls games. I mean, that's not to say that like From are the only people who can do this, but I mean, it's definitely knowing the balance. Hmm. So tell me a little bit more in detail about your uh, experience in Dark Souls One after coming in with Bloodborne. Like, where was the because looking back at it, like I know where all of like the traps and the gotchas are. Like, yeah. where do you think that the game? Like, where was your first time where you were like, "Oh, god damn it, Dark Souls"? <laughs> like, uh, well, I mean, there's uh, mimics, of course, which uh, okay. were, were absent from Bloodborne. <laughs> which uh, oh yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah, made me um, infinitely paranoid for the rest of the series. Um, <laughs> of course, the. Um, you know the the joke. Um, Dark Souls Three is all mimics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it kind absolutely. Of, it kind of was, um, and uh, the um, the dark rays in New Londo, hiding around corners. Um, there's that one. Uh, there's that that one approach where uh, there's a room up at top of stairs where there's three ghosts, uh, a dark wraith, and one of those blobs. And then uh, there's a second dark wraith behind the blob that will come out and uh, ambush you while you try to uh, draw the others. And I was just like, oh, God. And that, that got me so many times when I just like, wasn't learning from my mistake. 
that's um that's an, that's at the end of a particularly long run too. Like if you're just trying to get back to the boss and like you're just because there's a long way from the bonfire, like and it's filled with enemies. If you're gonna kill all of the enemies on the way, which yeah. can take a little while. Like that's a particularly grueling room. Yeah, I lost I've lost in a lot of souls there. <laughs> but eventually, you get to the point where you're like you're just out of souls and you don't care anymore, right? Like yeah. you're just like fuck it, whatever. Let's yeah. just do it. Uh, and I'd. I'd been spoiled on the uh, Anorlando archers, uh, and somehow I managed that on my first try. And I was just like, my palms were sweating, and I could just, just breathing so hard, and I just didn't know how I did that. Uh, and I managed to, <laughs> managed to not die before unlocking the shortcut, so I never had to do that again. Oh, awesome. So you did, but, it, just, it just worked out that first time, huh? Somehow, yeah. But I, I, I will be uh, trying a sorcerer playthrough from scratch so i will have to deal with that again most certainly um here, here's a pro tip on sorcery hmm. try using um if you can get it try using hidden body okay um it's not 100 percent, but it'll give you a pretty you can get pretty much all the way up there if you run and like that one on the left won't even won't even see you i don't think oh, so you don't have to slick. worry about him shooting in the back yeah. all right thank you I really, uh, you know, in Dark Souls 1, they introduced that concept from, like, all of the magicians and our sorcerers from Vinheim were, like, sound sorcerers. And, yeah. like, you know, and I always thought that was really, really cool. And Gary talking about that, Gary Butterfield talking about it in Bonfire Side Chat, like, set my imagination with it. And then um, in Dark, when Dark Souls 3 came out, they have that spell called Spook. And hmm. I played a sorcerer my first run, so it just basically ended up being Metal Gear Souls for me. Like, there were entire <laughs> sections of that game that I literally just was totally naked, no weapon, you know, using spook, and just <laughs> running as fast as I could. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a joy. Yeah, yeah. Sorcery runs are a lot of fun in, 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 in across all of the Souls games. Yeah, <clears throat> so I've heard. So I, I look forward to experiencing one. Are you, uh, have you gone back and played Dark Souls 2 yet? I got Dark Souls 2, um, Scholar of the First Sin, at the beginning of this year when I was um, anticipating Dark Souls 3. Um, it's okay. It, it's a really good game. Uh, just I, the way it feels to play, I find, I don't know if stiff is the right word. It's not exactly stiff, but it's different. Uh, so I haven't gotten that far in it. I haven't complete, I definitely haven't completed it yet. I've, um, I've moved on to Last Bastille, uh, or the Lost Bastille, at which point the, at which point Dark Souls 3 came out and I ended up moving on to that. Uh, but I will return mm -hmm. to it at some point. I want to see what it has to offer. I hear that the DLC is, you know, the best in the series up to date. Um, but there's just something slightly, slightly off about it. Although it is an enjoyable experience. I find and every every single person who's listening to this podcast is going to be like rolling their eyes, like, "Okay, Jeremy, with telling your stories <laughs> twice." Yeah. But uh, like, I find that there's something kind of weightless to Dark Souls Two that throws me off. Um, like it slinging a big sword around doesn't really feel as satisfying as slinging a big sword around in Dark Souls 1 or Dark Souls 3. Like, there's something to, like, it really feels like the weapons are made out of, like, styrofoam. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I heard a rumor that that was due to, like, motion capture, so they there may have actually been a styrofoam sword in the studio. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that as well. And um, yeah. I, I remember before the release of Dark Souls 2 that they had, they had talked about that, of, like, this was going to be the first time that they were actually doing mocap animation. Um, but I... I don't know how true that is, and I don't want to say that that's absolutely the case. It definitely feels that way, and that was kind of a big issue with me with that with that game. Although I have 
I mean, I put like 400 hours in that game because yeah. I'm insane, <laughs> like across the both versions, right? So like yeah. obviously I didn't have too much of a problem with. It. <laughs> how, how do you think the how do you think it um, the uh, scholar looks in comparison to the first uh, first edition of Dark Souls Two? Um, well, I was I played vanilla Dark Souls on a console. I played, played yeah. on 360, and um, which was definitely not the way to play it. Like it was the frame rate was pretty shoddy just kind of like dark souls one like the frame rate was kind of um kind of bad yeah and then um some of the like texture work and things like earth and peak isn't really like a fun area to look at mm. um and it's not like blight town in dark souls one isn't particularly a fun area to look at but it's like a really interesting area like it's so rickety and like people live there on popular earth and peak is just like a, that's my favorite area in dark souls one <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, Blighttown is. Yeah, it is. If the frame rate oh, was yeah. better, it would be absolutely amazing for me. But uh, I think that's you, the I, I've I played it on a PC end. before, running at sixty frames per second, and it is awesome. Oh, <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> Great. I hope I can. But do I that find someday. like going from three sixty scholar, or excuse me, three sixty DS two to PS four scholar was mm. uh, mind blowing. Like that that smooth 60 frames per second. Like I'm not much of a graphics horror about stuff mm. like that, but there is really something satisfying about everything just being smooth. Although again, they didn't fix any like textures or anything. So yeah. like you can upscale it or whatever. I think there's some areas in that game that are some of the best across the series. Like if you look at, um, Oh crap, the, uh, anime shrine, shrine of Ramana hmm. and, um, the, like the Majula skybox is just great with that huge ocean. Oh and yeah. And, um, Hyde's uh, tower as well oh yeah absolutely yeah um, absolutely. I, I think the 60 I, I don't know if it's uh due to the 60 frames or or just the animation but i think it looks a little bit awkward the characters move in the world um a way that looks kind of alien when you put it up to in comparison to dark souls 1 or bloodborne or even dark souls 3 there's just something it's, it's a little bit off to me some of the enemy animations are like hilariously weird too like <laughs> like people like enemies will like crab walk to you in some cases yeah. that are just like normal like that should be just like normal hollows like that walk like a human person does and they'll just do like weird shit to get to you <laughs> like, yeah and um and like i've always thought that like the tracking that enemies have in dark souls 2 is kind of bullshit and it looks weird like it sometimes it feels like they're standing on a like a record player like they just rotate yeah. <laughs> like that doesn't seem like you should be yeah. you have to move your body to do that like you're just literally rotating that's not fair yeah i think that's what i mean i, I found my character's animation to, to be a little bit off-putting as well but yeah just everything together it gave kind of like a weird weird feeling to me that i found it difficult <laughs> to get to get to grips with but um, i i will i will definitely be finishing it at some point are you uh, finished? Have you finished Dark Souls Three? I have. Oh my gosh! Excellent. I was I was meant to be reviewing that, and uh, my press copy got stuck in customs, uh, so it didn't end up arriving until one day after release. So, um, it you know the review had to be handed off to somebody else who had a PC copy, so they could uh, get a re uh, a release date review up, uh, and. You know, I, I thought like, wow, have I, am I taking on more than I can chew? I don't know if I'd be able to beat a Souls game in a timely manner, but I just like, I ended up blowing through it in like uh, 10 or 12 days. And I mean, ad admittedly, I had a four day weekend in there, but I just, I couldn't get enough of it. I just absolutely loved it. <laughs> That's impressive to me because I literally took the week off work. So I had, oh, yeah. what, been Tuesday through Sunday, <laughs> yeah. like my wife was out of town. 
really very little distractions and still didn't manage to finish it in that time. <laughs> I got stuck doing uh, PvP and that kind of thing, so I would uh, just do that for hours or yeah, you know, okay. being a summon, uh, that kind of thing. I can imagine uh, from uh, from your blog and all that will. Uh, I can imagine you'd sink some time into that. Yeah, that's that's kind of my thing. Did you, did you get into PvP at all? Did you ever? Um... I started to. Yeah, I was always. You know, I'm I'm a little bit shy playing online with other people, but uh, uh, I did quite a bit of it in um, Dark Souls Three and uh, and Dark Souls Dark Souls One as well. Um, I I didn't in Bloodborne. Um, I didn't have PlayStation Plus until uh, until I got to near the end of um, Old Hunters. Um, so I haven't actually done any pvp in that yet but i i enjoyed quite a bit in um in dark souls 3 um and i mean even just you know getting my ass handed to me by a group of uh a group of three uh people questing together uh, i still got a lot of satisfaction out of that did you did you spend a lot of time like being a summit sun excuse me being a sunbro and like helping other people out or you just didn't really Hmm, i did yeah mostly in the um uh, in in the prison in uh uh, say, uh, oh, with uh, Yorm? Yeah. That was, uh, uh, no, uh, with... Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. That is before the Profane Capital. Yeah. Yeah. That's a... I didn't even think about Sunbrowing for that fight because... Um, and by the way, like, spoilers are kind of off the table here. Like, I, we just talk about everything. So, mm-hmm. like, if I'm if there's something that you're trying to protect yourself from, let me know, and I won't, I won't say anything. Oh, but, no, uh, no. like, I, I had Onion Bro show up, like, right next to me during that fight, and it yeah. was such kind of a weird set piece. That I never even thought about dropping a summon sign. Like I just didn't even think about it until like my next playthrough, and I was like, I wonder if I could get summoned because I have the storm ruler. And like, oh my god, going in there with like three people with storm rulers is like the <laughs> most anime and fun thing ever. <laughs> it's great. I thought I'd be there for the folks who uh, didn't have um, didn't have Siegfried with them. So um, so I yeah. there for a while and and had a lot of fun. I actually bet you could do a pretty decent gimmick build right there, right? Like, just drop your sign as a guy named Siegward and just get summoned all the time. <laughs> Double Siegwards in somebody's game? That would blow Yeah, I bet, I bet people are people have to be doing that, right? Like, that can't be an original idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, patches would be a nice compliment as well. Maybe Patches uh, would also be a good Maybe in the armor, but without the helmet. <laughs> pretty good oh man did you get the patches thing on your run I, uh, yeah i did i did i i um, uh, seeing I know him about... in that onion outfit is just wild <laughs> treat um i got yeah i got i got an, uh, an audio glitch i played as a uh, as a female and uh the subtitles described me as an insatiable lass but he called me a greedy gus but uh it was great it was like i got both <laughs> oh it's interesting because i was just uh I guess it was Bonfire Side Chat that was talking about like his different dialogue of that in that area. Like if in the he even has different stuff to say if you're a cleric versus a uh, oh does know, he any other class? Oh, that's yeah. Nice. So I mean, like that's it's really weird that they spent so much time and effort for patches. Like I know that he's kind of like the the one common thread through all of the Souls games. Um, I, I know that Souls the too, the, but... the callbacks in Dark Souls Three can be a bit of a point of contention for some people, but. Um, I really appreciated seeing patches. It just, you know, it feels like it's it's a bit of a director's trademark. Um, so I was glad that he was there. You know, I'm kind of curious. Uh, 
Dark Souls 3 is is much more of a direct sequel to Dark Souls 1 than Dark Souls 2 is. And yeah. since you played Dark Souls 1 for the first time so late, like almost right up to when Dark Souls 3 released, like was it really just like the coolest thing in the world? Like you just finished this game that you really liked and then there's a direct sequel to it? Oh, <laughs> like it's not yeah. like it 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 really how, worked on me. How much of that stuff were you like spoiled on? Uh what stuff happening in Dark Souls 3? Mhm. Or... I mean, the, the only things that I knew going in were that uh, Firelink and Andre were there uh, because, you know, Namco made such a big deal out of uh, showing that to everybody. Uh, but, you know, I was, you know, I was instantly enthralled with that. And, like, I had my own theories going in. Like, I, um, I thought that the High Wall of Lothric was a uh, fallen Anne Orlando, uh, which made it even more... Uh, well, spoilers, uh, even more impressive to me when Anne Orlando shows up later in that game. Yeah, that was, uh, seeing that Anne Orlando title card is just one of the most amazing things. Yeah. I'm but so I mean, glad like, I didn't get spoiled on that. It, 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 was, it was fun to um, have my own theories on that and then see them, um, see them shattered. <laughs> How would, like, if, as you're reading through descriptions and stuff, are you trying to, uh, like, piece together the, the lore and the story in your head and kind of come into your own conclusions and then going on the internet to look for confirmation from those and those yeah. kind of, like, lore videos or what have you? I, I don't always do the best job at that. Um, I haven't, I haven't really checked out that many lore videos either. I started watching uh, Vadi Vidya's Prepare to Cry uh, earlier this year, uh, but I've been meaning to check out more and see... Uh, see more of other people's uh, ideas and theories as to how things link up. Um, I w- wouldn't say that I'm an expert of lore. Um, I kind of wish that I could be, but uh, I, yeah, I, I, a, bi- a big part of these games for me is seeing all this sort of weird esoteric, esoteric um, item descriptions as though there's a whole story here and then you know, several handfuls of the puzzle pieces have been taken away and leaving them to you to puzzle out. And I feel like, you know, there's no right answers, uh, which means there's also no wrong answers. Uh, and I feel like that's a very, um, it's a very adult way to tell your story. And it gives your audience uh, a lot of, it, it gives your audience's intellect a lot of credit. And I really, um, I'm really thrilled that From do that. Yeah, I really like reading this stuff and thinking, like, specifically for Dark Souls 1, I don't think it holds up as much with the subsequent games, um, except for maybe Bloodborne, but, um, hmm. like, that they had, like, a novel uh, and, like, a history book written, and then they just decided to take things from it to put on the item descriptions. <laughs> so we don't have, like, we have, like, 60% of the story okay. we're trying to piece it together. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I don't, I don't know, have any idea how they write this stuff. Like, I, I would be very curious if I could get, like get an insight to the process of of how they put these stories together and how they keep track of everything. Yeah, it'd like, be nice if they did like someone, a little so, expose at some point, right? Like, I mean, it, and I keep looking for stuff like that with the um, design works books, but they, they they never really cover like the the actual story parts oh, as much as I, I want them to. Like little bits and pieces there that. You know, they give you like a tiny bit of insight into the process, but it's just not enough in the in the um, in the design works. Yeah, I could just do like I could do like design works for Dark Souls One, like the sequel. Like I could, (laughs) I would buy another hardback that just had more information about it. Yeah, for sure. I kind of want to talk more about Dark Souls Three. I'm kind of curious as to like, by that point, are you kind of a Dark Souls expert? Like, are you? 
not really having any kind of trouble with the games? Oh, I would never say that I was an expert. Um, but <laughs> the fact that I managed to get through it in such a short time, um, I guess I've definitely improved. <laughs> Seeing as yeah. uh, Bloodborne took me several months and um, Dark Souls did as well. I mean, uh, that, I'm sort of playing Dark Souls on and off. Uh, but <laughs> Bloodborne, I did have my stopping points. Um, I think that's probably because, like, I played it start to finish uh, without... Uh, start to finish completely offline. <laughs> um, uh, I, I summoned occasionally in Dark Souls 3. I usually tried to get by on my own skill. Um, I ended up caving with, uh, the, with the two princes, um, which I found to be a fascinating fight, but um, after trying that about ten times and... Only getting halfway through it, I, I called in outside help. <laughs> Same here. Because at that point, I was like, I was like, I've got to be close to the end of this game. Like, I just <laughs> want to finish it. <laughs> I don't want to fight this dude anymore. I just want to finish the game. I feel that I still have a lot to learn. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, I, I want to go back and start a new character and see some of the other uh, more hidden endings in, uh, in Dark Souls 3. Have you done that with the other games? Have you gone back through to, um, like, I know Bloodborne has three endings and Dark Souls 1 has two. Dark Souls 2 technically has two now. Um, Does it? Like, um, have you done that with the other games? I, I have only played through, well, I've only played through Bloodborne, uh, well, uh, once, and then I did the uh, I did the DLC in New Game Plus, uh, and I've been meaning to. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> that I'm was sorry. a nightmare. <laughs> Uh, and I've also, yeah, so I've, I've only done those once, uh, and I'm planning to go back once I have a little bit more time on my plate, maybe, maybe over the summer, um, to see, you know, how different, different characters play, how different mechanics, uh, how, how I can make those work, uh, as I'm, I'm usually just a sword and shield type, uh, in, in these, but, um, Dark Souls 3 in particular with, uh, uh, oh, what's his, I'm terrible with names. What's his name? Is, is it Yon? The, uh, the sort of the, the death, um, the, the death priest pilgrim, uh, with the, uh, shell the on his death back. death priest. The one who gives you the, oh, uh, the uh, brand. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, oh shit. It's Yuria is the chick that shows up right after, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's like Yoan or Yorn or something like that. I can't remember quite the... yeah. Uh, fact checking ruins podcast, but I might just have to fact check that real quick. <laughs> uh, I I definitely messed up um, all of the character quests in Dark Souls Three except for Siegvard. So I would like to start a new character and see see it, see if I can make some of those work, and particularly see what yeah, that guy I, um, is all about because I think he's I think he's got some some stuff behind the scenes. I managed managing to do uh, Siegvard is pretty impressive in and of itself because like okay. there's some weird stuff you have to you have to do to, to get him there and everything um but but yeah the rest of the uh uh npc quest lines are just kind of bonkers like to get like did you even find cirrus the kind of dark moon chick like did she ever show up for uh, she showed up in the shrine is, is she the one who stops talking to you if you um join uh, rosaria's fingers yep that's yeah, the one she showed up once for me and then she never showed up again and then i found out that was why <laughs> yeah yeah that was that's such a weird thing that like because up to that point none of the covenant stuff matters at all and then you just like give give this 
person a pale tongue, and all of a sudden you're locked out of this whole NPC quest, which is kind of lame. That's that's very Japanese RPG, <laughs> in a way that yeah, uh, yeah. from yeah. games kind of aren't. So um, I was a little bit frustrated with how obscure those were. Um, at the same time, I kind of like that. Yeah, you you want them to be. Uh, kind of weird and interesting and have like weird triggers and stuff, but you mm. just kind of also want to be able to find them on your own without a guide. And I, there's some of the stuff in here that I would have just never found. Of course, there's some stuff in Dark Souls 1 I would have never found without a guide, mm. like trying to track down um, Sigmire in the swamp. I've said I've said several times, like the first time I've ran through that game, I would have never gone back to Blighttown. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I just had no reason to go back there. Why would I go over there to that part of the swamp? Like I just have no desire whatsoever. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he he told me that he would be down there. Uh, I managed to run into him by chance, which was why, nice. which is why I knew. See, that's apparently if you meet him in Firelink, he just explains all that stuff. But I, it just completely went over my head. Yeah. So. Good for me. Well, that, that didn't stop me from accidentally killing off plenty of the Firelink NPCs by accident, like uh, uh, <laughs> s- sending Laurentius down, sending Laurentius down there <laughs> by accident. Oh yeah, just trying to be a, just trying to be helpful, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I found this pyromancy over here. Go go check it out. And then yeah, yeah, that didn't work out. Not a good plan. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the um, the thing I like about Dark Souls is like your best. Like if you if you like the NPCs in the game, your best bet is just to not speak to them ever. Yeah. Like in that way, they would just be fine. Just never talk to them ever, and they'll be okay. They'll never move. <laughs> I think there's something very, uh, very postmodern and interesting of like completing NPC quests that just end with um, nothing really going well for anybody. Yeah, I, I, I very much like it. Like. Yeah. You know, Vadi and his Prepare to Cry series kind of opened my eyes a little bit because, like, up to that point when he's before he started releasing that, like, I knew that there were stories there, and Ian B had been talking about that stuff and some other people, but like, I'd never seen like the kind of individual arcs as clearly as when he laid them out. And um, boy, it's just all depressing. Like, it's just all very sad. Yeah, <laughs> you just you just feel real bad for the characters. Yeah, yeah, you really do. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a like a favorite moment across the Soul series that like was like this is why I play these games across any of the? Well, actually, I haven't asked you. Did you uh, before we get into that? Did you ever go back to play Demon Souls? I started Demon Souls uh, last year. Uh, it, it was, you know, like it was being sold for the equivalent of like under five dollars on PSN. Uh, so I picked it up then, uh, and I started it, and I got past Phalanx, uh, but. I, I really want to go back to it, and I think I will restart uh, to just uh, see what I can find uh, that I may have overlooked before with my uh, sort of newfound soul's knowledge. Um, you know, like the whole concept of um, world tendency, I find a little bit intimidating. Uh, so that's kind of prevented me from really going back to that in earnest. Um, <laughs> How did yeah, you find? Don't, don't forget that? character tendency. Don't yeah, forget that. Both. <laughs> I mean, they seem like fun ideas in theory, but uh, <laughs> another thing to worry about on um, in a major way. Well, I can tell you, um, I've played through the game several times with with and without a guide yeah. to you know try to find it, like all of your pure white stuff and talk to NBCs or whatever. And um, but my first run after playing Dark Souls for a long time, I went back and I just did it blind and. Mm. 
looking at that playthrough, like I definitely missed some stuff, but I don't know that I would have changed that playthrough. Like, I, and I had no idea what I was doing with Royal Tendency. I did, and okay. I tried. Like, I was reading the Wikipedia articles, and like, how do you? How can you even tell if I'm at pure white? Like, that just looks a little bit white. Like, I don't. Like, you know, when you go in the menu and you can see the thing, like, yeah. I don't even. Is that pure white? Am I all the way up? I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily change that. So, I, like, I, if I were you, I would go in there, and if that's what's like kind of catching you up, just mm. ignore it completely. Okay. Like, just go in and keep playing. All right, yeah. that's encouraging to hear. Are you are are you a fan like, of uh, From's older games? I've played a few. Um, like I've I tried to go back to the Kingsfield games when yeah. the Bonfire Side Chat guys did, and I didn't wasn't very successful. I had a lot more fun listening to, about those games mm-hmm. than I did um, playing them. And then when they went back to do Shadow Tower, I tried to load up Shadow Tower. Oh boy! And the uh, controls in Shadow Tower were like, um, what was it? Was like R two to look down. Yeah. And and then L2 to look back up and it's echo night controls. Yeah, it was it was just bizarre. And then uh another person that will eventually be on this podcast, but a friend of the show, a friend of mine, Allison by proxy was doing a oh. let's play of uh Shadow Tower Abyss. And she did like a, an amazing job with that let's play. Like if you're curious about that game at all, I'd highly recommend it. Like she doesn't talk over it like she just has really, really nice like subtitles throughout the whole thing, and she kind of, you know, she goes through it. And then while she was doing that, she also started Shadow Tower, so I got to see both of those. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, I was like, eh, I'm not gonna get because I tried, man. I really tried with Shadow Tower, but they wouldn't let me. My emulator wouldn't let me remap the controls, so I just kind of was like, screw it. I can't. Uh-huh. I can't play this. I hear it's much better on Vita since you can remap the controls on that. But mm-hmm. like my my Vita is keyed to my uh, UK account, and uh, that's not available on PSN. Here. Here. So I've, so I've downloaded that on my on my US account, and uh, I've tried with the PS3 controller using the shoulder pad, the shoulder buttons to look up and down, but um, I I can't do it for very long before I just get a headache. <laughs> and just like I mean, it's it makes just basic combat like because they it wouldn't be so bad if they actually didn't put enemies that you had to look down and hit yeah. and then still be dodging stuff. Like it's, it's a ridiculous control scheme. <laughs> I don't know. I, I completely understand why I got so incredibly panned when it came out. Like nobody would want to play a game like that. I almost, I almost bought that for like $70 when I was 14. Uh, and wow. when I got that on PSN for like $5, I was so happy <laughs> that I didn't. Yeah. That would have been, Oh man, that would have been a crying shame. Although, you know, 14, like depending on your situation at fourteen, like when I was fourteen, if I if I spent seventy dollars on a game, like I didn't just like oh this is too hard, I'm not gonna play it. Like I made sure that I did. Yeah, everything I, I think could I probably would have gotten to grips yeah. with it. <laughs> and then um, Cole again from Bonfire Side Chat, he's he actually streamed all of Echo Night, um, and that's up on their YouTube. Hey. And, uh, yeah, and that's that was a really good let's play. Like I hadn't seen. That's a really weird and interesting game. Have you played that? I have, yeah. I was, I, I got that. I think I ended up getting that instead of Shadow Tower because it was considerably cheaper. I really, really liked that at the time. Um, I haven't revisited the first game yet, but um, yeah, I, I just remember sinking a lot of time into that as a kid and, and enjoying all of the little, all of the little stories um, happening on that on that ship. Um, I actually streamed uh, the fan translation of Echo Knight Two for uh, Extra Life last year. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> like, I ended up falling asleep at, like, the 21st hour. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. That, 
That one's not quite as interesting as the other two Echo Knight games. It's just, you know, it's just set in a haunted house, rather as instead of a haunted haunted ship or a haunted space uh, station. So, and it's, it's, I have to, I have to ask. Yeah. Um, like streaming for twenty one hours and then falling asleep. Like, did you have a, a camera on you and like you were just collapsed on the couch? Like, is that what happened? <laughs> or like, what happens in the? What does somebody come along and try to wake you up? <laughs> like, I've I've never streamed for that long in my life and probably never will. So. No, I mean I don't think I will be doing that again. Uh, I didn't have a camera on me, but apparently I, like looking back at uh, my Twitch channel, I just streamed. Um, sitting in place in one room for like six hours until I turned off, Excellent. woke up and turned Excellent. off my computer and went to bed. So. <laughs> That's really funny. I made my goal. Money well spent, guys. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, <laughs> six hours of just standing in one room. Oh, man. Are you, uh, I mean, you kind of mentioned that you're reviewing games and that you're streaming for Extra Life. Are you um, kind of excited for any of this From Software news that it came out right before E3? Like the three games that they're working on there? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure, certain if I caught that. I mean, I, I heard that they're doing something and it's not going to be a Souls-style game next. But I mean, that was the extent of what I heard. Uh, what, um, what, Miyazaki what apparently said that he's, he's doing, uh, they're working on three projects simultaneously. Okay. One is like a Souls-like game, but it's not in like not in that traditional world. I think is what he said. Okay. Uh, one was a reboot, which kind of stuff in the interview later kind of it made it really really sound like it was an Armored Core game. Yeah, I heard they wanted to do another reboot. one. Yeah, and then the the third one was something like something weird and totally unexpected, and I was like, okay, that sounds like exactly like what I want. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, I'll definitely be watching them. So I. You just mentioned that you you played so you played like Echo Knight like way back in the day. Yeah, yeah, when I was in high school. So did you when you got to when you saw like Dark Souls and Demon Souls becoming popular? Were you like did you connect those two from the same developer? I did. Um, first and foremost, I connected it to my negative experiences with Kingsfield, um, which you know that sort of added to the added to the intimidation factor, which put me off Dark Souls. But like I could see that wow, you know they've come a long way since. From games were almost exclusively maligned when I was in high school, and like even up to when I left high school, when uh, Eternal Ring came out for PlayStation Two, which was like another Kingsfield style game, which critics hated, and you know you can get it for less than a dollar now. Uh, and now I'm thinking maybe I'd like to like to see what that is all about, and maybe pick up a copy. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's oh it's really, I mean. Since I've fallen in love with the Souls games, it's really nice to see uh, From go from a developer who had a very bad reputation uh, in the West to one that is just, you know, it's like it's like gamers' darling at the moment. Yeah, I know, and I got burned on um, kind of worshiping From as a developer just because I like Dark Souls one so much <laughs> when they released the. Uh... Connect game whose name I cannot remember. Oh, Steel Battalion. Oh God, they did do that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I played the demo of that because they released the demo, and I was like, you know, you could like fist bump the guys in your tank and things like that. And I was like, well, this is actually kind of cool, and like this is the only thing interesting I have for this dumb Connect. And then, uh, luckily, didn't buy the the full game. I rented it, and oh boy, (laughs) I heard such horrible things about that. I forgot that was them. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those weird things. 
Like when I see their names pop up on uh, like future VR stuff, I'm like, eh, you're gonna have to go a long way to prove that to me, man. Yeah, let's say. <laughs> well, I'm kind of on the fence about a lot of VR stuff at the moment, anyway. But uh, especially with that pedigree behind them. Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a PSVR um, pre-ordered. Do you? But it's through a- yeah, but it's through Amazon. Like I didn't have to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I just you don't really have to pay anything. So I just was like, eh, here here's here's yeah. the thing, and I don't know. I'll probably end up canceling it. My other my co-host for the my other podcast, Dark Insight, Cliff, he d- just tweeted out that he canceled his. So before we do credits, like, is there anything you kind of feel like you want to say about the Souls games before we let you go? Oh, gee, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> to put you on the spot? <laughs> I told you to prepare a statement, right? I remembered to do that. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I have always been a big fan of Japanese RPGs, and I think um, From has really raised the bar for me in particular. You know, I look, I look at things like Final Fantasy that have so many uh, wordy and indulgent cutscenes and lines of dialogue, but managed to say very little in doing so. Uh, but Souls games, like, they convey so much in what they don't say. Um, and I think that is absolutely to be commended. That, I agreed. Um, Robert, before we let you go, what, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. Uh, well, I run, at the moment, uh, my friend Alvin and I record a bi-weekly games podcast called Misanthroplay. You can check us out at uh, Twitter at at Misanthroplay or on Facebook. Uh, you can follow me at Misanthrobob on Twitter uh, and you can um, see an occasional review from me at uh, RPGfan.com And you, you mentioned earlier that you were streaming for Extra Life. You, you want to plug your own Twitch channel or anything? That was the first and last time that I've ever streamed. I mean, I did a, I did a... <laughs> wow. You came out swinging, huh? Jeez. <laughs> I thought I'd, I'd go in and go wild. Um, I've done the occasional stream at uh, RPG Fans Twitch channel, uh, which mm-hmm. uh, you can find through that website. Uh, I'm not all that comfortable doing live broadcasts, so maybe that's something I'll return to at some point. But uh, for now, um, there'll be no Twitch streams from me. <laughs> I had to do, uh, I had to do, I volunteered to do four hours for a charity stream that Duckfeed was doing, and oh, yeah. I was just completely, I was completely dreading it the entire time, because I'm not used to having, like, a camera on me, I'm not used to, like, going for, like, usually when I stream, it's for about two hours max, that's, like, my limit, Yeah. and this was, like, a good four to five hour block, and uh, I just blinked, and, like, it was over with, I was like, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> Are we done? I can keep going if you need me to. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, the, 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 the 21 hours that I managed to stay awake, um, that was sort of the trial by fire. So, um, Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> it was easier than I thought it was, but still, it just didn't feel, do, doesn't feel natural to me even today. But uh, maybe that'll change with more experience. Well, well, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of, out of your schedule and coming on and talking to me about this. Oh. This was a lot of fun to kind of get a different perspective on the, you know, on the Souls games. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jeremy. It's been a joy. And as always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find this podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. And if you want to come on the show just like Robert did, tell your soul story, send me an email to Podcast at gmail.com or send me a DM at the aforementioned Twitter link and we'll start the conversation and uh, see if I get you on. Thanks. And as always, I appreciate you listening. Have a good one.